0: Welcome to the Olive Tree Church podcast channel. Whether you are listening in from our beloved Durban, South Africa, or from further away, we trust you feel welcome and included in what God is doing in our community and that you feel inspired by today's message.
1: Before I get into this series on There is Grace for This, I, I just want to quickly give you a, a preview of the next series. So uh, I was watching. Um, the, the movie chosen the the series uh, i'd been it had been recommended to me months ago, but I never watched it mostly because most Christian movies are like b grade bad acting, bad plot, bad theology and it 's just like horrible for a preacher to watch Christian movies just like cringe and I went no i 'm not going to watch it and then people kept telling me how good it was, so eventually i decided okay i 'm going to go watch it, and it was kind of slow to start but then I watched till the end, and I realized the acting is phenomenal. The script is out of this world. And then on top of that, at the end of the movie, every single episode, I just wept. I looked across at Amy, she was bawling. I was bawling. It was just like, this is incredible. And so I said to our team, I said, guys, I think that this is like the next Passion of Christ, the next Alpha—I don't know—it's the next big thing. So we have to do a series on it. So here's what we're going to do: we are going to binge watch together. So if you haven't watched the series, um, I want you to know this: we will be binge watching together. Uh, we will—we'll gather next Sunday night, and uh, at six o'clock, we're going to play it, kind of like the Mnet movie, but a little bit early. And then at the end of the episode we 'll have a conversation about it, and then on tuesday we 're going to watch it again, so we 're going to watch uh, the first one, which is episode zero, which is um, about the shepherd, and then we 're going to watch the, the first actually the opening to the series about Jesus being born uh, on on the Tuesday. It will blow you away. please join us and uh, if you haven't watched it, don 't watch till then. join us then it'll be awesome and then we 'll get into Jesus series but today I'm going to wrap up on this series, the, the, there's grace for this. And uh, as I do that, I, I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to achieve in this, what I was hoping would happen. And I, I said in the beginning of the series, I said, the thing about grace is that it is unending, unstoppable, unchanging, it is overwhelming, it is unfathomably deep, it just, there's just more than enough. And if you can begin to grasp hold of that grace that is available whenever, wherever, however, whatever, when you, if you can grab hold of that grace, it will utterly transform your life because it's grace that can change us. It's grace that can empower us. It can heal us. It can restore us. It transforms us. Grace is the thing that gets us through seasons like this. And so we started off and we said that we're cemented to grace, and we talked about the gospel and grace, and then we talked about reigning in grace, and today I'm going to kind of recap a little bit, and then I'm going to dive into how you receive this grace by faith, and so I'm going to look at a a scripture, It's, it's the last three verses of Romans 5, I was looking at this and it's kind of a perfect recap for this series, so Romans 5, 18, it says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation. everyone. And then it says, it says, because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. And then it says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. I want to explain this. My little Livy was born two weeks ago. Bless her. She is so beautiful, and she doesn't sleep. She is a delight, but she cries and poos and takes mom away. And uh, I was thinking about my beautiful little girl who is born so perfectly, and and in so many ways, so pure. But what the scripture says is that because of someone else, sin entered into her heart, and the result was she will sin. This pure, beautiful baby was infected by a corrupted spiritual DNA from Adam. Adam did this. And the result is my little girl will wake up one day, and sin. In fact, I think she sinned last night. She didn't sleep at all. Uh, She will sin, and it will affect people around her. And then as she grows up, what's going to happen is she's going to grow up, and one day she's going to wake up, and she's going to look across this world, and she's going to go, this place is messed up. People are greedy. They're racist. They hurt each other. They're angry. They're ambitious. They truddle all over each other. People are messed up. And because she lives in a pastor's house, And because I will preach to her, she will hear the law. So if we go back to that that text, the one back before that, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. As she looks at Scripture, she will begin to understand that she too is messed up. She will begin to see her jealousy and her anger and her racism. And way before she knew the law, she would have said, I'm not as bad as. But now when she sees the perfect law of God and the perfect standard of Jesus, she'll start to go, this world is messed up and I can't fix it because I am also messed up. This sin that lives in the world and destroys people's lives, it lives in me too. And on that day, the law will have done its work and she will feel crushed. And on that day, this beautiful process will begin where she will realize, I need saving. And in that moment, because she lives in a pastor's house or whether she's a kid's church or whether she's listening to church online, I don't know, something will happen to her and she'll go, I need you, Jesus, to save me. And the moment she does that, something so extraordinarily beautiful will happen. Because the moment she does that, she will grasp That she is more sinful than she ever could have imagined, but she is more loved because of what Jesus has done than she could have ever hoped. And in that moment, in believing, in that one second, Jesus will put a different DNA he will put a righteous spiritual DNA into her and she will be spiritually regenerated, regenerated into a new life that will begin to permeate every single aspect of her life if she will focus on God's grace. And through that, she will learn to reign in life. She will learn to dominate her emotions. And she will learn to take control of the environment around her. And she will learn to bring God's grace into every aspect of her life and she will learn the gospel. See, this is what we've been preaching about. The first three weeks, this incredible gospel that not because of your effort, but because of Jesus' effort makes you righteous. Not because of your obedience, but because of Jesus' obedience, you are made completely holy. Perfected once for all time because of Jesus' effort. And when you get that, when you're cemented into that righteousness, when you realize I am imprisoned in righteousness, grace flows. And so this scripture ends with the next verse and it says, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life. That word, eternal life, Zoe is the word. It means perpetual, vigorous, unstoppable life. Unstoppable life through Jesus Christ our Lord, will flow into her life. But what I've realized about people is that, especially Christians, is that we know it exists, but accessing it, that's a problem. It's kind of like I lose my keys on on basically a day-to-day basis. I I put them somewhere in my office, my staff laugh at me, I, I leave them at home. I don't know why, but I perpetually lose my keys. And I know they're there. I just can't find them, and it's so frustrating, and for most Christians, they know grace is there. They just can't find it. They're like the fishermen on Virginia Beach. I don't know if you've ever watched them, but I've never seen them ever, ever, ever catch a fish, but they go. I don't know why they go. It's like they just know there is a fish out there. One day, one of us is going to catch a fish, but we don't know when. We don't know where. It must be exhaustingly frustrating, but they go there every single day. It's absolutely amazing, hoping to get it, so many Christians live their lives hoping they'll get grace. And today, I want to speak about how you know you'll get grace, how you can be sure that you can access grace. And it's going to be by believing. So I want to look at a piece of text, and uh, we're going to start right the way through. in Romans 5.2. It says this in Romans 5.2. Through him, through Jesus, we also have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. My first point is this. You access grace by what you believe And to kind of get you into this, I've asked Luthor to give us a testimony about grace. So I want you to watch this testimony and then I'll open up this text.
2: Being outside like this reminds me of one of my favorite scriptures. It's from Matthew 6 verse 25 and it goes like this. (laughs) Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And this takes me back to a very profound time in my life a couple years ago where a lot changed. You see, I had a job that wasn't meeting uh, my requirements for rent or even just to sustain myself and I needed a lot of help from other people. I went on to lose that job and so things got a whole lot worse really quickly and I felt like I was drowning. In that moment, in those days, I had to make some tough decisions. One of those decisions was that I was choosing to trust God completely, to lean on His goodness for everything, And despite what was happening to me, I chose I will always hold on to the fact that He is good. The second was a moment where I just stopped to think of how I got to the place that I was in. And in thinking that, I was taken back to a lot of things that God had done for me in the past. And right in the beginning when I was in primary school, trying to get to Durban for the first time for his interview at school, I picked up 300 rand the day before, which happened to be the amount I needed to get here with my mother and go back home in the afternoon. That was the beginning of God doing a lot for me over time to get to the place that i was in then and so in that moment the scripture became so alive for me going i can trust god and i should trust god that whatever happens here is going to be the best for me as it has been before to set me up for something better in my life and so i held on to it and it gave me peace in that moment to take care of the things i could take care of to do the things that were in my power to control and everything else hand over to god i'm not lying to you when i say the very next day I was getting job offer after job offer. I had to turn down a couple. And so God had come through for me in profound ways. And so when I find myself in similar situations now, I look back at situations like that where God has come through for me. And the thing he's had for me has been better than the thing that came before. And I can have peace, trusting that God is gonna more than sufficiently meet my needs.
1: What I love about Luto's me is that when he was focused On taking care of his own finances, when the weight was on his shoulders, it was like grace was, it was squeezed out of his life. This is from my Jojo tank. I took it off this morning. I hope it it works. But he, by what he believed, he could squeeze grace out of his life. But when he chose to put his faith in Jesus, what happened is this weight came off him and grace from heaven was able to flow into his life. And the result was not just that God provided for him, it was that he had peace, he had rest, he had joy, he had a change. And you can tell his whole countenance changed because grace entered into his life. Here's what scripture says. It says that we can by our own believing, squeeze grace out of our lives. Or we can, by our believing, we can open ourselves up to grace. In fact, Jesus says this in numbers of different ways. He says to the disciples that it was by their lack of faith that they couldn't cast out a demon. There was no grace flowing because of their faith. They shut it off. In fact, as you you look at other things Jesus says, he says, you nullify the word of God, the most powerful spiritual force the word of God, you nullify it by your man-made traditions. You are able to squeeze out the grace of God in your life. By not believing the gospel, you can squeeze out the grace of eternity from your life. The first point is this. Your believing can open up and it can squeeze out the grace of God in your life. But the second point is this because that can be kind of depressing. The second point is this. God's grace is bigger than your faith. It's bigger than your lack of faith. It's bigger than your actual faith. God's grace is bigger. So God is able to sneak through, not just go through the pipe. God is able to put a dump of grace onto your life that is bigger than your ability to receive it. So I'll give you a couple of examples. There's a dead guy, Lazarus. When you're dead, you don't have faith. Lazarus was in the tomb and Jesus came up to the tomb and grace overpowered faith and God called him out. Grace was bigger than faith. Or we we can look at, there was a guy who came to Jesus and he he said to Jesus, Jesus, will you heal me? And Jesus said, well, do you believe? And he goes, kinda, not really. And the way Jesus deals with his unbelief is Jesus heals him. You know why Jesus was doing that? It wasn't just because he cared for the guy. It was because he was trying to change his belief system. I'm trying to open this. So that he could believe and receive grace again. Our belief system needs to change. And so God, on many occasions, despite what we believe extends grace. He dumps grace on us. And the purpose of that grace is to change what we believe so that we'll expect it to be normal. Let me give you another example. The disciples and Jesus are going across the Sea of Galilee the one day. And Jesus says to them, beware the yeast of the Pharisees. And the disciples, like us, they kind of doff. So they say to one another, he must be talking about bread because we left bread behind. We were supposed to bring bread. and Simon, you forgot tool you should have and, and they get into this conversation Jesus eavesdrops on it and he goes really guys you're really worried about bread do you remember the like 5,000 guys we had five loaves two fish and we, we fed all of them remember the 4,000 we had seven loaves and you still had leftovers you remember all of that I want you to get into your thinking he actually says to them why is your faith so small he goes I want you to get into your thinking That normal, when you're around me, is you're provided for. Grace is bigger than your faith. But now, I want you to change your faith. I want you to open up the tap and expect that when you're around me, I will provide for you. I want you to listen to Nat tell the story of grace breaking through her faith. Watch this.
0: A few years ago my dad was really ill and struggling with cancer. He had moved into our home about six months previously when he would first been diagnosed because he had recently lost his wife to cancer and we really wanted him to be surrounded with the love and the support that he needed at that time. And so six months into the journey I found myself at a place where I was completely and utterly exhausted and I didn't think I had what was needed to get me through even that day, let alone the next and the next and the next. I had very foolishly run that part of the journey like a sprint, where I should really have been running it like a marathon. And so, being a mom to three young children, um, having um, work as a pastor, having just put three kids into new schools, dealing with this beloved dad of mine who was daily um, getting weaker, just had me completely finished. And the cherry on top was actually a puppy that we just bought that seemed completely demonized. Um, But there I was absolutely exhausted and not thinking I had what was required to get me through even the next day. You know, when we're in times like this where we're so completely weak and debilitated really, it is in those moments where the enemy is really um, having, he has that much more opportunity to come in and do what he loves to do, which is to destroy us and to destroy our faith. And so in this kind of really weakened state, I allowed myself to entertain the very thoughts that he would want me to, in order to start to weaken my faith. And so whilst I was calling out to God and crying out to him and saying, can you give me the strength and the power and the capacity? Do you have the grace that for today to help me with this season? I got myself into that kind of old way of thinking that I didn't deserve it that I hadn't been doing my side of the bargain. I hadn't been uh, finding the time or having the energy to to go and, and have quiet time with God and read the Bible and worship, and I was just completely empty and in the space of wanting to pour out of the empty but having nothing, and then now, sadly, feeling, how dare I expect God to give me the grace for this season when I haven't fulfilled my side of the deal. What I was doing is that I was applying human relational principles to God who is so much bigger and so other um, that I was thinking, you know, as you do with a marriage, maybe if you want to be in close relationship with your marriage, you must invest and you must give time and you must talk and understand and, and be together. And I was applying that to God and thinking, how dare I expect him to give me the grace I need for this day when I have given nothing in return. And it was into this season that he just broke in with the most incredible revelation for me that through just moments of me feeling his grace and through me feeling his grace through people who would just arrive with meals and messages and kindness and just you know so many people being prompted by God to to help us in the season that I realized that he was showing me that his grace for me his grace, in me for that season was utterly not dependent on me or anything that i could do and his grace was not limited in any way to what i could offer he has what i need he wants to give it to me he wants to help me through the season despite myself um, with with nothing that i can bring or offer he wants to meet me in this place and give me what i need and so what happened is that I, i found myself in this place of absolute awe that he just had more than I could ask or imagine. He was just bigger than I could ask or imagine, that his grace was limitless. And um, I found myself just, instead of kind of feeling obligated to go and find time, you know, like if if I need grace, I need to go and do what I need to do in order to access it. I found myself just drawn into his presence and drawn into moments of knowing that I could be further strengthened and further receive what I needed. But it was completely and utterly despite me and not anything that I needed to do. It was just there for the offering. And I simply had to believe that there was no limit on what he wanted to give me in the season of weakness that I was in. And he just wanted to lavish it upon me. It was simply believing that he had it for me that opened up the ability for me to receive it in that season. And it was a revelation that has never left me.
1: I so love Natsa's testimony because uh, it is a story of God disrupting her life. It's a story of of God going, I care for you so much that I'm going to send grace. I'm gonna bombard you with grace from other people from all over the place. I'm gonna put so much grace in your life that it will change the way you think, that it will change what you believe because what you believed is a lie. What you believe is that if you don't put the effort in, I can't meet you. And what I want you to believe is that I can meet you wherever you're at. I'm able to open up your life if you will trust me. I'm able to meet you with grace that is sufficient for you wherever, whenever, whatever, however you're there. I can meet you where you're at. I have seas of grace. You could never empty them. They're just unending, and it's there for you, Nats. But Nats did something we all do. She started off with, if I don't, how can I expect God to? If I don't obey, if I don't read my Bible, if I watch that movie, if I do that thing, if I lied, if I... Was selfish. How can I expect God? We all do this. We disqualify ourselves from grace. We shut the tap on grace. And God goes, I'm going to just explode that thing. I'm going to break that thing open. And here's why because God wants Nat to wake up every single morning of her life. She wants you to wake up every single morning of your life going, I wonder what grace God has for me today. You see, I've been chatting to people. In fact, on Tuesday, my phone rang. It started at 7 a.m., and it, it ended about 9, 9.30, with one person after the next after the next feeling like they were in a storm, either a health storm or a business storm or a spiritual storm or an emotional storm, a storm that was going to break their boat, their lifestyle, their, everything they'd been building up. It felt like, for them, they were about to collapse. They didn't know how to access grace. They didn't know how to open the tap. And conversation after conversation led to the same place. And the place is this. If you want to open the tap of grace into your life, then you have to put your faith in the one, Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. You have to put your eyes on him if you want the tap to be opened. See, Peter puts it this way. Peter, the guy who, remember, he was in a boat that felt like it was about to get sunk. The guy who steps out onto the water and walks in a huge storm. He, the guy who, when he's looking at Jesus, is floating supernaturally, and when he puts his focus on his circumstances, begins to sink. He writes this. He says this in 1 Peter 2, verse 1 and 2, grace and peace be multiplied. Anybody want grace multiplied to you unto you through the knowledge that's the intimate, precise, accurate knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord? If you want grace to be multiplied into your life, the way that that happens is by fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. So I'm in these conversations with people, and because I want to meet them where they're at, I start off with, have you done everything you know to do to sort out your business, to fix your health, to get through that spiritual breakthrough? And every single one of them said, I have done everything I can do. I am so worried about it. I've done, I can't think of another thing to do to fix this. And so I said to them, do you believe there is grace for this? See, in in most people's minds, grace for them looks like this situation is solved. But grace doesn't necessarily mean that. The thing about God's grace is it is so powerful that it can cause Peter to walk on a storm without Jesus stopping the storm. And for some of us, we are living in a storm. And you think God isn't giving you grace because he's not stopping the storm, but I want you to know that his grace is bigger than stopping the storm. For some of you, his grace is enough for you to walk on the waves, God's grace, it wants to, he wants it to permeate your life. And in order for that to happen, you need to expect it in unexpected ways. It'll come through in, in different ways. So I'm in these conversations with these people and I'm going, there is grace where you're at right now, but it might not look like how you're expecting it to look. And then I say to them, and there is grace today, but God doesn't promise grace for tomorrow. You see, the thing about us is, I feel peace when tomorrow is sorted out. I feel peace when my boat I know is fine tomorrow. Tomorrow. I feel peace when God tells me that tomorrow it's going to look like this, but when I have no picture of tomorrow because nobody can tell what's going on in the economy, because nobody can tell what's going to happen in the health, because nobody can tell when I'm going to get out of depression, when I have no picture for tomorrow, I feel very, very, very scared. But Jesus says, there is grace for today do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worries about its own. But I've got grace for you today. I've got grace in this moment. So stop fixing your eyes on tomorrow. Fix your eyes on me right now today. I want to say to so many of you, because I want to end this in ministry, that there is, there is inexhaustible grace available to you today, for today, that will get you through today with peace and rest and favor and love on it. But you have to go, God, I'm giving up control of tomorrow. And God, I'm gonna take grace the way you give it, not the way I want it. But God, I'm gonna believe you for it. See, your faith, your decision to spend time in the word because this is what I've been saying to them, just spend some time in the Word, spend some time in the presence of Jesus because whilst you're around him, grace opens up. And if your partner walks in whilst you're reading the Bible uh, in your office, then just say to him, when he asks you what the heck you're doing, just go, I'm getting more grace. We need more grace in our business, so I'm getting it. If that's happening in your business, then, then just know you're doing a good thing. Focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith because if you focus on him, the grace will flow. Know that what you believe can open up more grace. Know that God's grace is greater than your faith. And know the way that your faith will grow is by fixing your eyes on Jesus. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to go into a song. And this song, the purpose of this song is to minister grace into your heart. And the way that I want you to respond to the song is by going, Jesus, I believe in you. My tap, I'm choosing to open it. It's closed, I'm gonna open it. I'm not gonna ask you to solve my tomorrow, I'm just gonna try and grab hold of what you have for me today. I'm gonna fix my eyes on you, and I'm trusting God that in this song, your presence is gonna fill my life. And so I pray, Jesus, will you come into people, will you overwhelm them with grace? Will you change their belief about your grace? And will you flood their souls as we sing this song? Let's stand and sing together.
3: You will stay true even when the lies come. Your word remains truth. Even when my thoughts don't line up, I will stay told on each promise you made. Let the rest fade away. There's a peace far beyond all understanding. Let it ever send my heart. Away. Daring Sir he comes I remember that peace is a promise you keep peace is a promise you keep you will stay true even in the chaos your word remains true. And when my griefs have all I will be still For I've known all along My Jehovah Shalom There's a peace far beyond All understanding May it ever set my heart at peace What anxiety Remember is peace is a promise you keep Peace is a promise you keep You are peace to the restless soul Peace when my thoughts wage war Peace to the anxious heart That's who you are, that's who you are, you are peace when my fear takes hold, peace when I feel enclosed, peace when I lose control, that's who you are, that's who But beyond all understanding let every flow when my mind's under siege All anxiety bows in the presence of Jesus The keeper of peace And peace is a promise he keeps
4: Church, this has been such a, a phenomenal word uh, this morning. Roscoe, thank you for blessing us with it's that. Um, I know that's spoken to my heart. If there's one thing that I took out. I mean, there's gold all the, along the way there. But to, that one thing I took out was, that, was that, that grace needs to permeate every area of our life that grace isn't there. We can't tell the marker of grace by our situation, uh, but we need to reach for it and find it and open our hearts for it, even in the storm without the storm calming, I think is such a great word for us. And so, church, we just want to bless you in prayer um, uh, to close. And so, Father God, I I thank you so much for a moment like today, Father. God, I pray it, it wouldn't be Um, wasted on us, that our hearts would not be close to this, Father, that our hearts would not be hard. God, I pray right now that if there's any hardness in our heart, Father, that you would soften it, that you'd open our hearts to receive every word um, that has been spoken today, Father. God, God, this is our lifeblood. God, this is what we can stand on. God, this is what will produce life in us. And so I, I pray, Jesus, for your grace to fall on each one of us. I pray, Jesus, for us to see the form that your grace will take, God, when we can't expect it, when we don't know what it looks like, when we've got our own ideas of what we want you to do for us, God, that you would open our eyes to see what you're doing, that we'd be ready to receive your grace as you wish to send to Jesus. I ask for amazing testimonies, Father, of not just um, grace coming and situations changing, but hearts changing, Jesus, and faith being strengthened. Mm. We thank you, Jesus. Mm. In your name we ask this. Amen.
1: Amen. And as you go, the, the word that I've kept focusing on over the last little while is just, He cares for me. Mm. He cares for you. Yeah. He cares for you. In this moment, He cares for you. He knows what you need. He cares for you. So grab hold of that and let it shape what you do today. And whilst you're walking around, if you're on the beach, just say to yourself, he cares for me. He cares for me in this moment. He's thinking about me. He cares for me. And watch how grace begins to flow.